Welcome to this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate. I'm your host, Garth Sundam, Communications Director at MAPS. And today we are speaking with Ariel Katz, co-founder and CEO of H1, who has joined us before. Ariel, welcome. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And this is a question that comes up a lot because the end goal of medical affairs existentially as a function is to improve patient outcomes. But I know a lot of our members have a question, how can we actually draw the line from our activities to patient outcomes? What can we do to improve patient outcomes? And how can we show that we are improving patient outcomes? So maybe maybe the first first, how can medical affairs improve patient outcomes? Yeah, uh, excited to talk about it. <laughs> I re- I really, since we started H1 and working with medical affairs teams, it was always the holy grail. I was like, yeah, they were measuring medical affairs impact, but it's like, for what end goal? To drive better patient outcomes. Yeah. Um, and it used to be field MSLs would engage with stakeholders and thought leaders at academic medical centers to educate them. And we publish peer-reviewed publications, we do IITs, all these different things to ensure that people are aware of the latest scientific and medical research and technology to improve patients' lives. Mm-hmm. Um, what we've learned over the past five or six years is we do think there's actually a way to measure this and ensure that we're doing this. And so at H1, we think about it in really five different buckets. Okay. The first one is identify the stakeholders, the, the healthcare professionals, mm-hmm. as well as the um, systems of care and hospitals and health systems where the right medicine is not being practiced. They have worse patient outcomes. Patient comes in with a heart failure. Are they treating those patients correctly? How many of them survive? Patient comes in with non-small cell lung cancer. Are they treated with chemotherapy or they're diagnosed the right way so they could get the right therapy? You could identify using information to understand who, which health systems and which doctors have worse patient outcomes. So you, so know, you don't want to spend your time with a doctor that knows everything. You want to know who's not treating patients correctly. That's really where you can move the needle for the world. Um, so, so guideline and, adherence. So, uh, is that what you're looking for? Like you sure. a whole range of different things. So, you want to look for, um, generally speaking, guideline adherence. Mm-hmm. But even one level below guideline adherence, you want to look at like uh, mortality rates of, pe- of patients that come in with certain with uh, uh, HER2 triple ne- triple negative breast cancer yeah. compared to another place. Yeah. You want to look for infections in the surgical room and why mm-hmm. that happens at a given health system or given uh, with a given doctor compared to other ones. Really benchmarking everything from like the dynamics of care, uh, the type of care they're getting, so standard of care, so guidelines and lo- local protocols to um, cost of care and if they're being treated with the right therapy across the board for hospitals and healthcare professionals. Oh, that's interesting. I don't want to go too far into the weeds here, but you know, would you be looking for anomalous poor outcomes? What I'm wondering is if there, there are, if it's hard to, disentangle um, poor outcomes from societal and system-wide healthcare issues that create across the board lower outcomes, or what you're really looking for is an anomalous HER2-positive low outcome for for young women's breast cancer, and there you know that you could make a difference. The way we think about it and what we see in the data is like a Duke Health System great health, great medical center, great health system. Um, if they are systematically, uh, patients systematically with non-small cell lung, stage three non-small cell lung cancer, die earlier and uh, live less years and have to spend more time in the hospital, 
then City of Hope, MSK, Mount Sinai, NYU, um, MD Anderson, and, and it's lower by 30%. You have to ask why. Okay. And uh, at Duke, for example, it could be because their protocol level is wrong. And you'd want to engage with someone that's thinking about the local protocol at Duke. If you look at Duke, or if you take a City of Hope and MD Anderson, generally equal outcomes. But if you look at the 30 oncologists or the 100 oncologists at MD Anderson, there's 10 that have significantly worse outcomes for patients. Sure. MD yep. Anderson's protocol level is not wrong. It's those 10 healthcare professionals that an MSL should go and talk to and educate them on the latest treatment for how to treat some of non-small cell lung cancer. What tests and diagnosis should you run to know what treatment is best for them? Like you, you'd really want to be able to understand it at a system level and a doctor level and look at different outcomes depending on the indication. So it's different for someone with psoriasis and non-small cell lung cancer than LP little a and rheumatoid arthritis. They're all different. So you want to look at the definition of good patient outcomes across the board and look at it at a doctor level and a hospital level. Okay, so you identify these areas. So outcomes, identify areas for possible growth. It sounds like each of these um, opportunities for growth could have a different mechanism to bring them back up to par, or or is it just an MSL's got to go talk to them? No, it's very different. So if there's t- 100 uh, oncologists at MD Anderson, 10 of them have worse patient outcomes in um, uh, bladder cancer, Sure. Um, that's an MSL should go and educate those 10, why they're, why they're giving them chemotherapy instead of the latest immuno-oncology treatment or targeted uh, oncology treatment. Yep. If Duke Health System has written a protocol that systematically does not diagnose patients properly with, um, that are at risk of heart failure, it's, it's probably a uh, research activity that could get involved. It could be scientific uh, publication. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all controlled by medical affairs, by the way, but there's different, uh, and then maybe an MSL or someone engages with Duke and someone at Duke, but it's not going to, you can't change the needle at Duke by an MSL engaging with the thought leader cardiologist at Duke. It just won't do anything. Uh, You're running against the wall. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get to the next bucket. So we've identified these H. We know where the gaps are. Then the next bucket, which we're hitting on is who are the stakeholders that can change that? And sometimes it is an individual healthcare professional. Sometimes it's an administrator or a department head, a service line head at a health system, but sometimes it's those 10 HCPs at a regional health system that just don't literally just don't understand the latest medicine and, and the efficacy and the safety profile of it. So you want to identify who the stakeholders are. Yep. And, and sometimes it is a KOL, but not all the time. And we're seeing medical affairs change their stakeholder landscape. And we're saying, great, change the stakeholder landscape to the people that can drive better outcomes for patients, where we, we're going to tell you where the gaps are. So oh, identify who the stakeholders are, yep. knowing where the gaps are. It could be a system level, it could be a HCP, it could be a KOL. Um, then the next bucket is you want to make sure that you understand what these people care about. How do you use artificial intelligence, hmm. GPT, chat GPT-like technology to say what is going to be most relevant to these stakeholders? Um, the next and I believe most important bucket is measure that change over time. What is the impact of medical affairs? Making sure patients get the right outcomes. If you're engaging with stakeholders at Duke and you see they actually change their protocol, which changes the outcomes for thousands of patients in cardiology at Duke, or you tend to talk to those 10 stakeholders at MD Anderson that change the way they practice medicine to lead to better or above average care for patients, because now they understand how to treat those patients, diagnose those patients, send referrals properly. Um, that's an unbelievable impact. And you know, medical affairs is changing lives of patients compliantly. You're not looking at script data. You're looking at education of systems and HCPs. 
And if you're not measuring it, it's hard to know if you're improving. It's, it's almost like we're overlaying. So we've always done these things, right? We've always had MSL. You, you started with this. We've always done MSL, HCP, KOL interactions. You know, we've always published research in peer-reviewed journals to disseminate our latest scientific knowledge. But it's almost like applying a layer of strategy to the activities that we've already been doing directed so that the strategy points directly at patient outcomes. So I I don't hear that we need to change all of the activities that medical affairs does. Is this just another strategic layer? This is a way to understand the impact of all the activities that medical affairs does. No yeah. longer should we look at how many meetings an MSL had with an HCP. It doesn't mean anything. If they met once, but they changed the way that that HCP practices and understands medicine, that's worth more than 100 meetings where they buy them coffee. Um, and so it's understanding the impact of all these activities. If there's a investigator-sponsored study at Duke where they wanted to show to the Duke admin, uh, administrator at Duke, um, why it is the right thing to do to diagnose a patient with a certain test before they treat them for LP little a, mm -hmm. because there's now technology that if you treat them and they are come up positive for this test, there's a better treatment than a statin. Um, that that now you understand the impact of your activities um and so that's the and it's all coming together because metafairs wants to do this we've been talking about it um and now we, uh it's coming together for us too all the pieces stakeholder landscape is changing diversity yeah. and inclusion make sure you're not just talking to kols but you're talking to people in different communities yeah. but really what you want to do is make sure that you are engaging where people are really struggling to understand how to treat patients properly and uh Let's help you. We want to help identify that. You know, so here's, here's, uh, and this again might be going into the weeds, but so we have this layer of strategy overlaying onto the activities of medical affairs pointed at patient outcomes. And it's very um, HCP, KOL system focused, but you bring up engagement with communities. And I wonder just as uh, a healthcare ind provider individual or system, you may be able to identify that they're underperforming. You know, is this same workflow or mechanic applicable to populations that are underperforming and perhaps looking at, at not underperforming HCPs and healthcare systems, but bringing underperforming outcomes in patient populations back up to a hundred percent. So what you'd want to slice when you're identifying, so five years ago, yeah, um, an MSL or medical affairs team would have a list of thousand KOLs they're engaging with predominantly at academic medical centers. Yep. Over the last five years, the stakeholder landscape has changed. Now they're engaging with treatment leaders, digital opinion leaders, you name it. Um, next five years, they're going to be engaging, we believe with, uh, HCPs, communities, the individuals that need medical affairs help the most. If there's a cardiologist at um, Extension Health System, best patient outcomes in the world, it's probably not worth the time of a pharma company or medical affairs team to chat with them. Maybe they'll want to learn and educate, but I wouldn't yeah. spend all my hours with them. I'd spend it with the person next door who has bad patient outcomes so you can actually make an impact on patients' yeah. lives and that HCP. Um, and it could be that it's for a certain segment of the population. It could be a certain community. It could be it's where diversity and inclusion, which is super important, comes into play. 
Um, that first step has never really been there. That first step has, of like identifying who to engage with has always been, well, who publishes the most, who speaks on the stage at the top medical conferences, mm-hmm. which is important and we can't forget that. But um, we need to, we believe the future is more of identifying where patients are not getting treated properly. And that's going to be deeply influential into where medical affairs spends their time. So are we granular enough with our data as a function that we could say, okay, here's an underperforming and underperforming, that's a terrible word. Here, here's an HCP that happens to have worse outcomes in patients who are over 65 or in patients from a racial or ethnic minority or, you know, has poor outcomes, poorer than expected outcomes in patients who happen to be, you know, from a low socioeconomic status. We, so... Uh... This is all publicly available outcomes benchmarked by CMS has guidelines for like what is a above average or below average um, outcome for a patient above the age of 65 that comes in with intestinal cancer. Like there are benchmarks for like what does it mean for mortality rates, readmission rates, hospital infection rates, uh, procedural rate, like all those things that you would imagine. Um, It's all benchmarked by both CMS and HEDIS. And so these are all, uh, and so short answer is, yeah, it hasn't been integrated into medical affairs workflows yet. And we think that's going to change soon. And what what I was wondering is if you could say using your your vast resources of data and tools to make sense of it all, that you, individual HCP, are treating this subset of your patients non-optimally. And here's a way to treat that subset of your patients optimally. Uh, that's the job of medical affairs in our mind. So we could help someone in medical affairs say, this uh, pulmonologist uh, is in the bottom 10 percentile for patient outcomes with COPD and asthma. Um, uh, Here's how, here's the expected um, life of patients with COPD from this doctor compared to a different uh, pulmonologist. Uh, You should go and talk to them. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, and there are patients that come in, they're identical patient with pre-existing conditions, all these things, but like they are well below average. Um, okay. And so, so you could target, you could look at a hospital level and an HCP level. Okay. Well, let's, let's put it, let's put a point on these, on this workflow here. So what is it? You have to identify the HCPs and orgs that are underperforming. Take us, take us through the bu- buckets and then we'll. Yeah. The we'll... buckets are identify the HCPs and hospitals and health systems that have worse patient outcomes. Yep. Um, identify who are the stakeholders that okay. can help really uh, ensure that those outcomes improve, which can yep. be an HCP, an admin, a KOL, whomever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you're using a personalized engagement strategy with content, with research, with how you're reaching out to them and when they want to talk to you and all, all those various things yep. and measure how that's changing over time uh, to show that you're having an impact. All right, Ariel. Well, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Let's leave it there for today. To learn how your organization can partner with H1, visit h1.co. MAPS members, don't forget to subscribe. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate.